Good morning. The reading before the lesson this morning is taken from Revelation 21, verses 1 to 4, uh, page 878 in the uh, Pew Bible. Revelation 21, verses 1 to 4. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. I don't know if there is uh, anything that so typifies the notion of going practically instantly from pain to joy uh, the way that there is in having a baby. There are lots of women in here this morning who could attest to the pain of childbirth. Now, I had... I had to time contractions for 31 hours at one point in my life. It was painful. It required effort on my part. I had to be diligent about the task. It required me to stay up for a day and a half while my wife laid in bed. It required of me constant attention to the task. I can remember how tired my arm got holding it in one position for two or three minutes at a time. So I think I understand, okay, what it means to go from pain to joy. Now, for those of you right now who are seething, I am, of course, being facetious because I can't imagine how quickly one can go from pain to joy. But I have seen it happen. And it is wonderful, of course, when the joy breaks forth and that wonderful moment arrives and we recognize that there is joy in that. For the last couple of weeks, we have been moving toward this morning. Two weeks ago, we talked about weary, weary disciples, those who were exhausted into their sorrow, it says, those who couldn't stay awake. And meanwhile, Jesus was in agony in his spirit, in his soul, as he thought about what was going to come. Then last week, we talked about the actual events of the crucifixion. Some of you came and put nails in a cross, signifying the nailing of your sins to the cross, which we, of course, had no body here to nail. And so we couldn't really experience all that was experienced at the crucifixion as Jesus actually receives those nails into his hands and his feet. But that's indeed what happened. 
And then we finished last week, if you'll remember, in darkness. The darkness that was over the earth upon the crucifixion of Christ. The darkness that came on Jesus with the weight of the world's sins upon him. The darkness in his own life that separated the Son from the Father for the first time in all of eternity. The darkness of knowing that despite this sacrifice that the world would continue to sin. The darkness of understanding that there were sins that would not be forgiven as people didn't come to Jesus and that he was giving himself for people who in some cases would absolutely reject him. So we finished last week in darkness and I want to begin this week again in darkness. So those of you who are guests, this is kind of an unusual occurrence. We don't do this every week. Uh, but we did do it last week, and we want to go again into darkness. So it's going to be kind of dark in here, but it'll be okay. Go ahead, Christine. Last week, we ended the sermon time in darkness. There was darkness because it looked like Satan had won with Jesus on the cross. It looked like hope was gone. It looked like death had triumphed. It looked like the separation between the father and son was going to last. It looked like the sins that Jesus had to bear were too much. It looked like the nails of our sins that held him to the cross were too strong, that he could not be freed from his pain, and that the world could not be freed from its despair. It looked like all was lost. But then it happened... The story told from God's words says that some women came and saw that the tomb was empty. Angels also told them that he was risen and he even appeared to them. Then the women reported to the closest followers of Jesus that his tomb was empty, that the body was gone, and that they had seen the Lord. Then his followers came to the tomb and saw his grave clothes. They marveled, wondered, even doubted, but they also hoped. hoped. Could it be true? Then they saw him. He came to them. He filled them with hope. Then he came again and spent time with them, and the message began to spread. And the light that broke forth on that first resurrection morning continued to brighten. The church was given a mission. And from there, the impact of the new things that God was doing in Christ have continued to grow and influence our world more than any other force history has known. It started in darkness for sure. We recognize that there was something dark about the crucifixion, even when we talk about the joys of life in Jesus and what it was that he did for us on the cross. There's still a sense in which it starts in darkness because it looks like Satan is victorious. It looks like Jesus isn't coming back. In fact, it looks like 
all that the apostles had hoped for and all that humankind needed, it looked like it wasn't coming back. But then there is an event, a glimmer of hope. And it starts with just one small act of some women going to a tomb and saying, this isn't what we expected. We thought we would get here. We thought we would be able to anoint a body. We may have to have the stone moved, but we, this is not what we expected. And then there are angels that speak to them. And then there is an appearance of Christ himself to them. Although they didn't recognize him at first, they soon come to see who it is. It's actually Jesus who's there. And then they run and they tell the, the apostles, things are different. Things have changed. We expected his body to be there, but it's not there. And we have seen him. Now, I don't know what you would do if you were Peter or John and you heard that Jesus was seen by these women. I think in that day and age, quite honestly, it would have been acceptable, although not today, for those men to say, oh, that's just those women. They've gone to the tomb and they're all excited about nothing. But there is perhaps in them somewhere, a glimmer of hope. And so they run there. And they look inside. And they see that the tomb is empty. And so another little glimmer there of light comes on the horizon. And then a few days later, Jesus actually shows himself to them. He appears before them. And another light ignites. And soon he spends 40 days and nights with them talking and teaching and bringing in the idea that the kingdom is going to come in a full way. And the light grows brighter. And soon as he leaves, he gives a mission to the church. And he tells us that we'll be his witnesses. It's going to start from right there in Jerusalem. But it's going to expand to Judea and Samaria. Throughout the Mediterranean world. And in all of this, Jesus makes it clear, the church is going to have a role. And suddenly, the Holy Spirit comes in Acts chapter 2. And certainly by then, all the lights are turned on. And what looked like darkness that would absolutely triumph. It's absolutely overcome by the presence of the Spirit in the life of the church. A literal new day dawns. Something dramatic and exciting and wonderful. Something earth shattering. Something that filled the church with joy and excitement about what God was doing through these people in light of the resurrection. It looked like it was just going to be travail and pain and there was not even going to be an end to that. Isn't that what we talked about before? You ladies, don't you ever say to yourselves in the midst of labor, will this never end? But it did end. It did end. And the Spirit does come and completely 
completely turn around everything that it looked like the crucifixion had done. And so we go from terrible times to instant joy. Now I want to speak just to our church this morning for a moment. Those of you who are guests, I'm going to talk to you in just a sec. But for a moment, let me say something to our church. I actually wrote this on a blog. And as I was reading this and thinking about it, I thought, I could communicate this to the church. And I want to. While the general tenor of my perspective on the church is positive, and how could it not be in light of Jesus and the resurrection? A number of realities cause me to daily oscillate in my feelings about things. I, I go up and down. I look at the health and the progress of Churches of Christ in Western Canada and I think, whoa, we're not as healthy as I think we should be. We have less impact on our communities than we should have. Then, right when I'm in that mode of thinking, I electronically dialogue with Blair Roberts, who is a a young youth minister in Regina, Peter's brother. Or I have a phone conversation with Kevin Vance. Or I hear about something that Zambia Mission Fund Canada has done. Or something that's going on in the Ukraine. Or I talk to Colin Hattrick or to Jordan Clark. Or I have a meeting with Darcy and Hope. And I see the positive things happening with our young adult ministry at the Calgary Church of Christ. And then I think we have every reason to be hopeful. Then I think about how apparently unimportant Sunday morning worship is to some Christians when I don't see them for weeks. And I say to myself, the desires of the world are largely controlling our choices and priorities. And then I watch Larry and Joanne Luck come on a Saturday and fill our pantry with food out of the back of their pickup so that we can feed the needy. And I'm so pleased with the church's ministry to those around us. Then I talk to someone about their habits with respect to spiritual disciplines, prayer and reading and study. And I think, I don't know if any of our people are consistently spending time in Scripture. Then I get a devotionally oriented book for a relatively new Christian like Andrea Milner, and I give it to her, and she gobbles it up and then tells me about how she and Caitlin read the Bible together. And I'm hopeful. I do think that Churches of Christ in Western Canada and the church I I serve have a long way to go in order to be what Christ wants us to be. But as long as there continue to be resurrection days, there will continue to be life in our churches with opportunities to move forward from here and to have the kind of impact on our world that God wants His kingdom to have. They, They require things of us. They require that our young take the ministry of the church seriously and that they play a significant role in the body of Christ. This will require that our choices and our priorities regarding our time be primarily governed by the gospel and the kingdom and not just our own choices. This will require that we increase the level of our service to the needy of our community. It will require that we take seriously the plan for discipleship that our elders have adopted and we need to work that plan It will require a love for the lost that supersedes our love of self, permitting us to outwardly focus 
It will require that families make financial sacrifices for the good of the kingdom. It will require that a new generation become significantly interested in the spiritual disciplines of prayer and study and giving and service and worship. And with these things and many more as possibilities, it seems we have a chance to consistently move forward because God is always there ready to bless And so my own personal oscillations of, oh, one moment I'm high and the next minute I'm low and one minute I'm excited and then one moment I'm not doing as well. Those things are actually overcome and can be replaced by a consistent hopefulness, a consistent joy as we see the progressing of the kingdom that God wishes to work among us. And so I'm excited on Easter morning. I'm excited about what God wants to do through us and in us. Now, something for those of you who are not members here. Guest today. And we're so glad that you're here. You have not come today just to attend a church service. Now, it might seem like that. That's what we often do. We come to church services on Sunday mornings. We certainly come on days like Christmas and Easter. But you haven't just come to a church service today. Instead, you've come to experience a movement of God among a people and perhaps in your own life. I don't for a moment think that it's a coincidence that you're here today to hear the good news about Jesus. I don't think it's just happenstance. I don't just think it's an hour and a half of time spent thinking about spiritual things. Instead, I think that God wants to speak to your heart today. I think that God wants to say something to you about who he is and what his son has done and what his son can do in your life. And so you've entered a meeting of people who are part of a movement intent on changing the world for the better and you can be part of that. We are absolutely convinced that when Jesus rose from the dead on that first resurrection day, that he changed everything. He made possible things that were never possible before. He removed the power of death from the equation of life. He overcame the power of sin in a person's life so that addictions and cruelty and selfishness can be turned into faith, hope, and love. And that can happen in your life today. He made it possible for good to triumph over evil. And good did triumph. He made it possible for the hopeless to have hope. And so if you're a person today who feels like there is not hope in your life, let me tell you, there is hope. He made it so that our efforts to bring new opportunities for peace and joy into our world have behind them the backing of all the positive forces of God. And so if you think to yourself today, well, I don't think my circumstances can get better. There seems to be so much that's against me. We have 
all the backing of the resources of God behind us. And so if your marriage is in trouble, God can change that. If you're wondering about uh, the depression that you experience, God can change that. If there are things that have happened that just seem insurmountable and that you can't begin to overcome them, let me tell you, you probably can't on your own. But God can change that. And the pain and the travail that you experience, which is so daunting and so difficult, can be overcome. Listen to these words again. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look! God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God and he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. And that's what's happened. The old order of things has passed away. And it passed away the moment that Jesus came out of the tomb. At that moment, death was defeated. And the things that normally would totally set us in a tailspin of depression and agony and feeling like things can't get better, all of that is in an instant turned around. And while it starts maybe with just a flicker, it grows quickly and builds until the church has all the fullness of God's light break in upon it. And your life can be exactly the same. It may start this morning with a flicker. But the fullness of all of the light of God is ready to break in upon your life and transform the things that have caused you darkness and pain into his wonderful light. And I pray, and I'll pray in a moment, that God does just exactly that in your life this morning. Let's pray together, please. Holy Father, there are those this morning here who need the fullness of your light to break into their lives. And we praise you today that through your Son, you make the breaking forth of this light a possibility. We thank you for the newness. We thank you for the defeat of death. We thank you for the defeat of pain. We thank you that there will be no more tears or crying. But there can be only joy in you. We praise you for that. 
Father, I pray that every life here today would be filled with your comfort and peace, with your new presence. I pray that the church, Father, would be filled with your Holy Spirit. This newness that comes among us and desires to take even this body of people and do something marvelous and wonderful and powerful for you. We praise you today that it all starts with the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, his conquering of death. Oh, let that live among us, God. Through the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.